Good Friday, everyone. Welcome to the BallQuest.com Mailbag Podcast brought to you by Blue Water Climate Control. Check them out on Twitter at BlueH2O underscore climate. You can also check them out at BlueWaterClimateControl.com. We'll get right to the questions with Jesse Simonton, Austin Price, Rob Lewis. Glad to have you along with us on this Friday. Austin, to you, chances with Colson and Munden. Go. Um, I think Junior Colson's going to Michigan. And uh, Smile Munden. I think Tennessee's in there a lot deeper than everybody thinks they are. But everyone keeps saying that, AP. Doesn't that just mean Tennessee's in it? I mean, it's, it's like I think you read everywhere now, and that, that seems to be the, the proverbial thing. But, I mean, you've been saying yeah, that. Yeah, there for a while, everybody just pe- pegged him for Georgia. You know, much like everybody's pegged Javari Ritzy for North Carolina. Um, you know, I, I think Tennessee I – don't, I don't think Munden has made up his mind. I think, you know, the relationship that he has with Niedermeyer – and several Tennessee uh, uh, commits, whether it be Cody Brown, Kamar Wilcoxon, Julian Nixon, and then uh, potentially coming up, you know, on Monday when Miles Campbell makes his decision, that's a kid that you know grew up playing peewee ball around, um, you know, uh, around Smile. So I mean, they've got several guys leaning on him, not pressuring him, just leaning on him. So what you're saying is probably in it deeper than people give them credit for, but they've always been perceived to be in it. Just thought they yeah. were trailing, trailing Georgia. Uh, maybe I think everybody more, thought he was a slam things. dunk for Georgia, and I don't think he's a slam dunk for Georgia. Still might go there, right? But but not but not just a lay down like maybe some yeah. people had initially thought. Uh, okay, Go Vols 2019. Are we still in a good spot with uh, Ingram Dawkins? Felt like Vols were in good shape until the commitment was pushed back. Do we think Georgia may be the lean since he decided to wait? Do you, do you think the decision for him to not make a commitment means his, his choice has changed? Or is this just a simple situation where somebody's got to him and said, hey, why don't you take your time and make sure you don't have to make a decision right now? That. He didn't one night go, okay, I'm picking this school. And then somebody called and said, no, pick us. And he said, oh, okay. I, I think it was exactly what you just said. Hey, don't do not do it. You need to take your time. You need to take your time. Wait and come see us. You know, give us more time to recruit you. It, it's it's Georgia and it's South Carolina too because South Carolina knew that they had lost a little momentum with him. It had, you know, had he, you know, you know, and of course I guess with this, with any kid, you could totally change his mind. If he decided to go ahead and do it, I would really like Tennessee's chances. I like Tennessee's chances when he said he was going to do it on Sunday um, now, you know, it, it, I still like Tennessee's chances, but, you know, things have gotten more difficult with the fact that you're allowing somebody else to come in and uh, woo you and spend more time trying to recruit you. Well, and his family has only been to one of these three schools, and that's, I think, a sticking point. Yeah. I mean, when, when mama hasn't seen everything, you know, mama wants to see everything. So The problem is mama may not be able to see everything until – September or, or late, which is what, which is why he may wait, or why he may, you know. You're, I'm pretty sure Mama came over here. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think she did. Apparently, she's only visited South Carolina. See, when I talked to the kid, he told me his family's been here. So I, I know his family has. I don't know if his, I don't know if his, if the mom, I think, is the ultimate decision maker. But mm-hmm. as, as AP said, though, Tennessee, I think, has a real shot at landing another quality defensive lineman. Much like Isaac Washington, who is and probably he's under Washington. He's close to Washington. And who's probably underranked. Washington? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, just Tennessee views both of these guys as some of the best two best, two best defensive linemen on their board. 
And obviously, that the, the, the rankings this, this cycle do not reflect that. Again, this isn't poo-pooing on anybody doing rankings. But, again, I look at, again, who's recruiting him. And, Jesse, you talk about Ingram Dawkins when Georgia's calling you, when Will Muschamp's calling you and saying don't do it. That means you're a pretty good player in my book. You know, much yeah. like when Rodney Garner's walking around campus with his iPhone going, here's a jumbotron, Isaac, here's, here's the academic center. I mean, again, <laughs> Rodney Garner, whether you like him or you don't like him, dude knows defensive linemen. So, again, I look at who's going after these kids. All right, let's go to Vol Rocker, and, and I want to go a, a little bit different question, a little bit different direction with this question. He wants to know what the latest is on JT Daniels, which I, I think is a fair question. Here's my question to follow up with that. How hand-tied, how handcuffed is JT Daniels right now in trying to make a decision on his college future? Well, I think he's trying to see if, you know, what's going to come of this, you know, the, the transfer rule, you know, whether they table it to 2021 what do they do with it? Because in theory, I guess he could still go back to USC if he's going to have to sit out a year. Um, and apparently that's still on the table. And that's still on the table. Now, I don't think that's his preference. I think his preference is to move on. I, I, I've talked to multiple people this week, and they insist Tennessee and LSU are the top two teams. Um, you know, but again, he's not able to take visits. He can do virtual things. I guess he could – technically he could fly here and just walk around campus by himself and not ever meet with anybody. But, I mean, how beneficial is that? Maybe it's beneficial, maybe it's not. Um, you know, but I guess in theory that could take place, or he could I mean, go that, to LSU he, and do the same thing. Could he meet with coaches off campus? I mean, what, that's, that's kind of no. a gray area. No, he could not meet with them off campus. He could, he could, he could fly I mean, to if, campus. If he, was, if he was on his own dime, would that be a violation? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, can't, he, can't have now, he could go to campus face. and he could FaceTime with the coaches like, let's say he went to Baton Rouge and he, you know, just kind of walked around campus. He could FaceTime with Ed Orgeron. He could sit in chimes and, and have and have dinner with Ed Orgeron while he's in chimes and Ed's at his house. Yeah. Like, set, like take the computer and just set it up in front of you. Here, here would be my question, though. And, 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 again, LSU, Tennessee, I think, you know, most people believe that they're the, they're the top two schools. If you don't know for sure he's going to be eligible – is he got the same attractiveness to those schools as he would be if you if you knew for sure he was be? That's why I wonder if he's a little bit handcuffed because how how much of a priority would he be for Tennessee if he had to set out this year? Well, I mean, I I would think the fact that you know you you don't you know going back two months there was no spring practice you're not here in June to you know watch film to to meet with coaches. I mean, I I kind of think that you know, makes it less of an issue that he wouldn't be eligible, you know, if he's not going to be eligible this year. I mean, how ready can you can you be if you, you know, have, have three weeks of practice in, in a new system? Well, but then, but then, but then, it's, then it's, it's less about now if he's not eligible, right, AP, and more about what happens in the future with what – if you land JT Daniels, how does that impact Ty Simpson? How does that impact Martin? You know, some the, the suddenly the 2022 board – is likely going to look a lot different if you have a guy who has a couple years of eligibility, plus you're bringing in Caden Salter this year, and you don't know exactly. The room certainly is going to have, uh, I think, some turnover between now and then, which Mauer could still be here. Shrout could still be here. Jimmy Holiday could still be playing quarterback. So who knows? Yeah, I, I don't know what it looks like. I, again, I think the 
I think the whole on both sides for JT Daniel and for schools, I think it's an interesting kind of dance that you that you you take right now, uh, given the fact that you, you know he's not even going to be able to come see your campus until July, and if it's a dead period, then who knows what's going to happen? I mean, I just think, and then you don't know if he's going to get eligible either. So I, I think that's the, the, an interesting side note beyond just hey. What, you know, where's he leaning to right now? All right, Rob, to you at 423 Volunteer, when will the UT basketball schedule be released? Obviously, football's been headline news and dates starting, uh, dates and start being affected by the virus, but with basketball being not far behind and the season starting in colder weather, what contingency plans are being looked at? Big potential season for the Vols. Wonder how decision makers are looking at crowd size options for games like Gonzaga, Charleston Classic, et cetera. Have you heard anything on Tennessee scheduling? Any talk uh, about always, always comes out in August, and I wouldn't look for any big non-conference additions other than the, the ones that are, you know, Gonzaga, Wisconsin, Cincinnati. Um, don't, don't think there'll be any other, you know, big names pop up on that. And in, in talking to people, I mean, just they, they don't know. I mean, it, obviously, I, I think it will be, you know, determined based on how football gets handled. You know, I think that, that that will influence a lot of basketball. But, you know, talking to some people who are, I would conservatively say are very close to the situation, they don't, they don't know what crowd size will look like or how that's going to be handled. And I think they've got, you know, obviously that sport's got a few more months to figure it out so they can wait and see what happens with the NFL. They can wait and see what happens with if Major League Baseball ever decides to play. And then obviously the NBA college football, be, as you mentioned, NBA. NBA so, will be playing before college and preseason. And, you know, there'll be a lot, there'll be a lot more data out there. Yeah. All right. UT Clause 5, with the upcoming NIL changes and students being able to monetize their social media presence, do you see more recruits taking the Pied Piper role like Wilcoxon has and build up a massive social media following while still in high school amongst their team fans and make money off that group later with uh, influencer-type opportunities while on campus? I don't think social media is going to carry a ton, of, a ton of dollar signs for recruits out there whenever this goes into effect. Um, maybe some, but but I don't. I just don't know that specific social media following. Um, you know, I mean, does it help their branding before they get to college to give them an opportunity? Sure. And I now use the example. I mean, Zion Williamson had a million followers on Instagram when he was coming out. Um, so I, I think he could have been set up more than anybody we've ever seen before. Uh, but I don't know that you're going to see a lot of guys making money off their Twitter after they commit to that particular school. They're going to make more you know, money off of, you know, get a sponsorship with somebody because of their following within that school's Twitter following. That's just my opinion. Yeah, The Athletic did an interesting study on this about a week or 10 days ago. Um, and there is, there is some evidence that if you have a massive following, uh, particularly on Instagram, these athletes, I think, would get some significant com uh, compensation, but that's going to be few and far between. You know, Kamar Wilcoxon, who has, I don't know, 15,000, I don't know exactly how many Twitter followers he has. The, the, the likelihood, to Hubs' point, is that he's actually more likely to almost build off his name in his own local community where a bank or a whatever, you know, future Tennessee star Kamar Wilcoxon is promoting something uh, you know, in, in, in somewhere in Georgia. And then maybe he has some sort of similar, you know, uh, deal here in Knoxville. And so um, I, I think for the, for, the, for the star stars, the guys who are some of the, the top ten players in the country who can amass these giant followings, perhaps they, especially probably in basketball, 
uh, can, can, can figure out some ways to monetize it. But overall, I, I don't think there's going to be a ton of dollars there for guys lower on the totem pole. Even a four-star like Kamar Wilcoxon, you know, top 250 guy. Right. And I think the, I think the issue from the high school kids are going to be what, what game-changing high school prospect gets a national brand, you know, gets a deal with some kind of national brand out there that could affect his college choice because of his affiliation with that national brand. I think that's going to be one of, of, the, of the big things that comes along whenever the next whoever and whatever sport comes about, how does that affect the college decision? Because they're already attached in with some national brand somewhere, particularly a shoe company, as we referenced yeah, and I mentioned I a couple you, of weeks ago. I think you hit it with a guy like Zion Hubbard. Um, I mean, I, and I think it'll be more common in basketball because they're going to be just one year removed from being professional athletes as opposed to football where, you know, I, I don't, you know, it, it, I think it's more rare. I mean, I, and, I, and I don't think you're going to see many kids like Zion, you know, with a million followers when they're 18, 18 years old. Well, and, you know, there's more personality in basketball because it's not behind a face mask. Yeah, no helmets. So, you, you, know, you know those kids, you know their personality as a high school player, whereas they're, they're just more of a, almost a camp number type deal, if, if you will, from, from a high school football player heading into the college ranks, unless you're a diehard recruiting follower. All right, let's get to uh, the next question here. Any rumblings on – out there that there will be an extended camp since spring was canceled, say starting mid-July. Who's got the best chance to step up and replace Juwan Jennings? Will Tennessee be better on both sides of the ball this year? Guys, in my conversations and everything I've read and talking to people, the, the six-week thing is seems to be the most prevalent deal when you talk about an extended camp. Uh, everybody that I talk to and, and, and you read about seems to be that's the one thing that the Power Five conferences seem to be almost unified about in this is if it gets back started, that they need a six-week training camp. Um, not six weeks of hitting every day, but, you know, some OTAs to kind of make up for the loss of spring practice before you get into your traditional, you know, three- or four-week camp. So that would be a six-week camp. When that starts, who, who knows? But the season wouldn't start until that six-week period is up once a, a training camp you know, style deal opens up. That's the thing I continue to read and hear for, from, from what everybody else is kind of tell, telling me out there. I don't, I don't know you guys may be hearing something different, but I keep hearing the six-week deal. Which is why, which is why I, I think uh, if, that, if that time is accurate, you know, in, in, in the next three weeks, but by basically that first week of June, there's going to need to be some clarity on, on some decisions because the deeper you get in even to the middle of June, that's when you're risking starting to having to push stuff back. Yep, I would agree with that for sure. Best chance to step up and be Jawan's replacement? Going Palmer? Gibbs? I don't, I don't think anybody Palmer. really knows because as Jesse pointed out you know, earlier in the week during, during the look back at the South Carolina game, the hidden yardage – you know, I don't know if it's something you can really replace. Um, but, I, you know, I think probably D'Angelo Gibbs is who the staff thinks may fit that role best. Um, just, you know, as far as a guy that goes across the middle and plays the similar type uh, position to what Jawan did. All right. And last one, this one to you, Rob. Will Tennessee be better on both sides of the ball this season? I mean, I think they'll be better on the lines of scrimmage, especially. I mean, the offensive line, I think, has got a chance to be the best we've seen in, in a long time. When you're not, not just talking about your starters, but your depth. 
And, um, you know, I think uh, you, defensively, I'm, I mean, I, I think fans should be excited about the, the front. Now, I don't know. We've all talked about it. What, what are they going to do on the edge? What are you going to do at safety? But I think overall, yeah, I, I think they'll be better. All right. Uh, Vol in L.A., which is more likely if you had to bet? Football season begins in 2020 or 2021? 2020. I'm with with Austin. Too much money. Too much TV money. I mean, I think there's there's a chance it it will be altered, uh, whether it's, you know, taking away some non-conference games, whether it's, you know, starting two or three weeks early. In some form or fashion, I can definitely see it being altered. But I think there's some semblance of a season. Jesse? Yeah, I mean, I I, I still – I mean, I'm I'm leaning that because I want that to happen. But I, I don't know. I just, you know, uh, it seems like every day there's a bit of optimistic news. And then two days later, you or know, two hours. Uh, <laughs> two hours later, yeah, it seems like we, we walked uh, six steps backwards. So um, I think there's a lot of complicating factors of trying to do a season in 2021 uh, logistically uh, for the safety of the athletes in terms of playing effectively two seasons in a calendar year. Uh, yeah. do, you, do you have guys like uh, Trevor Lawrence and stuff opt to ultimately sit out because the season would br- effectively run right up in through, uh, you know, NFL the, the combine and, and what have you. So if they're going to play football, I think they, they, they figure out a way to play it this fall. All right. Vol lover, um, a couple of questions. Is uh, JG still the quarterback on this team by the end of the 2020 season? If he stumbles, who emerges? Is anything less than an eight regular season wins considered step back? And will UT hold on to this recruiting class if that's the case? I, you know, I think it's up to JG. I mean, I can't answer I'm, I, I can't make that prediction. I think he will go in and be the starting quarterback on this team if they play this season. Um, if he stumbles, who emerges? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think anybody can make Come that on, prediction. Come on, Hubs, give us the truth. <laughs> well, I know everybody wants you to say Harrison Bailey. That's what everybody wants to hear. But I've not seen 100%. Bailey. I've not seen Harrison Bailey do anything at this point. So I'm not, that's not a knock on him. I just don't know how he's going to react. And in watching the rewind, I see some times where Brian Bauer does some good things. And I see some other times where you kind of scratch your head with it. And then you see JT Shrout, you know, other than stopping short of going out of bounds, he was okay in, in, in the South Carolina game. Um, but they clearly don't believe that he's much of an answer on the staff. It, it doesn't feel like so. I don't have an answer to that. Let's move on to the second one since I don't have an it's answer. JT Daniels. Yeah, maybe it's a JT Daniels. Oh. If it's JT Daniels, then who's not here in the room? Well, in the water. I just think it's funny because it's like the typical GQ question like, you know, hey, Rob, who's going to be Tennessee's starting point guard in 2024? Go. <laughs> All right. Um, this is from 19 Vol 70. The Vols and the other big boys of the SEC have apparent, apparently have different recruiting strategies for the 21 class. Tennessee has 21 commitments in mid-May compared to LSU has 10. Georgia has seven. Auburn has four. Alabama has four. What, is, what are your thoughts on the differences in the 21 class strategies in terms of assembly? Why has Tennessee well, got 21 and nobody else hardly has double digits? Well, the big you know, it's not like Auburn didn't push to get Dylan Brooks. It's not like, you know – that, that Florida wasn't trying to hold on to Kamar Wilcoxon or whatever else. Tennessee's taking the strategy of let's get them in the boat. I think, you know, everybody on staff would be the first to acknowledge there's going to be some attrition, you know, whether it be Tennessee inflicting the attrition themselves or 
you know, uh, the kids deciding, hey, I, you know, I, I, I want to re- relook at my recruitment. Either way, you know, if you hold on to a majority of the nucleus, though, you know, you're, you're setting yourself up to have a pretty good class. That's why Tennessee is going to continue to recruit all positions across the board, even if it looks like they're full at those positions, because you have to. And so, um, you know, Auburn and Alabama, I think that they're looking at things like, okay, hey, we can come in and still become a player for a guy like Dylan Brooks. We can still become a player for a Cody Brown if, if we want to go down that road, whatever. Um, but uh, I think Tennessee's looking at it like, hey, let's, let's get them in the boat. I've talked to a couple of different head coaches, a couple of different, different, couple of different petition, uh, position coaches, and uh, to a man that they don't disagree with Tennessee's strategy. I mean, get them while you can get them. Well, and, and that's the thing. I mean, Tennessee already – A, Tennessee already kind of had a baseline of commits before this bench started. Uh, you know, several guys who would gotten in the boat. And then, if my math is correct, I think they've had 14 guys jump in since the uh, NCAA-mandated recruiting stoppage, you know, moratorium, which is obviously more than all these other schools. Uh, and a lot of it is a combination of what AP was just saying. I mean, it's – you know, they've – use the momentum to their advantage. They're taking guys and they're saying, hey, we'll figure it out. Um, and they're definitely leaning on some guys to say, hey, now's the time. You want to get in? You better get in. And, and, and that strategy's working. And, but I think, I think AP and I agree. You're going to see Alabama. Alabama's not going to finish. Alabama's like 50th or whatever right now. They're going to finish in the top five, top ten. <laughs> you know, Georgia's going to be right up there. LSU's going to be right up there. Tennessee's going to have to keep battling to kind of land a top five class. I mean, look at a year ago, Tennessee had several commits yeah, and then they ended up losing a few, but what did they close with down the stretch? I, who saw Tennessee closing with Malachi Weidman and some of those guys that they added in, in, in December and January. That's why I said Tennessee's will continue to recruit guys, even, um, even in positions that, that, that they're already full at. I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where Tennessee is, is really looking at, at the overall aspect of the class and they're adding, they added a guy like Wilcoxon, because they knew he was an alpha, and what's he done? He's been phenomenal out there just going after recruit after recruit after recruit, getting on Zoom calls, getting on this and that. So, I mean, he's – to me, every little domino that has fallen to this point has been calculated enough to get more dominoes to fall. Well, and I just think you keep – I mean, because we have no idea what the landscape's going to look like this fall, what kids are going to do, you just got to keep recruiting. I mean, you, just, you can't stop. You can't say, okay, we're – if you get to 24, 25, say, okay, we're done with our class. You better keep recruiting because everybody's going to be recruiting your guys, and you just don't know who's going to bounce around. I mean, the, the unknowns right now are crazy. I mean, think about this. How many kids today have, from San Diego State, Fresno State, and San Jose State have started calling schools, you know, to see if they might have interest in them? Because – you know, they're not going to go to a campus this fall. So the perception they have is they're not going to play football. So what's, what's it all going to look like? I mean, whenever it kind of gets back going, there's going to be a wild, wild west element to this thing because of so many guys moving around, so much jockeying moving around. What's, is the NCAA going to give you a little break on the 85 number? There, there's a, Jesse was talking about you got to get a roadmap. And, and, and you were talking, Jesse, about you think, you know, you hope it starts this fall, but there's so many questions that have to be answered. Every day you can sit around and brainstorm and think of another 50 questions that has to be addressed before you can just simply go back to playing football with the way everything is right now. Well, and, and what happens, let's say, 
there's not high school football in certain states, but you know, there's college football. All the kids that are in those states where there's no high school football, what are they going to do on the weekends? They go take trips. They go take unofficial if, visits. They'll if take you're unofficial visits. If they let you, if they let you make those trips, I mean, if you, if you don't have fans in the stands, you can't say, Hey, you can take it like, like San Diego state doesn't want to quit playing football. Okay. They're not, they're, they're, they're University has made a decision. Well, they can't bring anybody to campus this fall. If you're not going to have anybody on that campus, they can't recruit at all. Which is why these multiple coaches have told me it's smart to fill that boat up now. If you can fill it up now. Now, granted, there's still plenty, a ton ton of good players out there, and they're going to end up, as Jesse said, at the Alabamas, Auburns, LSUs, and so on and so forth. But, you know, if you can kind of go ahead and get the guys you really like and covet in the boat, um, then, then that's a, a feather in your cap. Well, and, and part of that, too, is just you're living in the moment because you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And, right. and, so, and so, again, we've touched on this in previous pods, but college football is in a very unique deal right now where they have no overarching commissioner. All these conference commissioners are going to do their thing, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Sankey is going to do what – uh, you know, the, the guy out in the Pac-12 wants to do. Now, they claim that they're all going to be on the same page, allegedly, because of the massive amount of money for the playoff. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. It's also, again, uh, you know, I continue to maintain, and this is just my opinion, but everyone's – this is – we're kind of at the Spider-Man meme right now with all this stuff uh, where everyone's pointing their finger at each other and seeing who's going to kind of click first because, you know, I think – most people were hoping that, you know, baseball would come up with a plan, but the players are kind of like saying, well, we don't know. The basketball players now are allegedly pushing, you know, but those are professional athletes. How that trickles down then into collegiate athletics uh, is still way – yes, I think it's still to be determined. And these next – like we said earlier, these next three weeks, I think are going to be huge in terms of a timeline for the future. And, Rob, don't you think a lot of people are going to be watching just TV numbers for like NASCAR this weekend? I know NASCAR is a vastly different sport than a team sport. But when TV numbers start coming out, I just think that that's going to capture the attention, particularly of the special, of the, of the professional sports, of some people saying, hey, yeah, we need to get back to action here because there's money out there. There's going to be some money available in the TV revenue side of things, and we just can't, keep, we just can't stay shut down. Yeah, I think the, I think money is going to drive it all. I mean, right. I, I mean everything. I mean, I, I mean, I don't I don't know what the crowd situations are going to look like, but the TV money is is the main reason I think college football is going to happen, and certainly NFL football. I mean, who's who's greedier or, or more business driven than an NFL owner? I mean, you're talking about Fox, NBC, ESPN, Budweiser, Honda, Chevrolet. I mean. Uh, there's just too much money out there to, to think that it's not going to be on TV. And by the way, it's a TV, nego- it's a TV negotiation year for the NFL. Yeah. And then the contracts NFL, are up, which is, which, which is why too, but, it, and, but I will say this, what complicates like even the comparisons of the NFL to college football, the NFL is having discussions about almost doing a similar NBA quarantine thing where they all go to Dallas or, you know, like the crazy four high school football fields and playing some crazy rotation without fans. And that's, again, that's not going to happen in college. You just can't do that. It's impossible. Uh, and so what one does, does that mean the other can replicate? Or, you know, it, that's just, there's just, it's just, it's sad, but there's just a lot of unanswerable questions right now. And hopefully with time, we'll, we'll know a little bit more and have 
uh, more transparency and clarity about, you know, what's going to happen. And, and does, I, I, this has entered my mind several times. Is there a moment where a group of players stands up and says, I'm not getting paid. I'm not playing with the risk of any of this stuff. Cause I mean, you know, that there's kids that think in those terms. Sure. On, oh, the col- I, I, on, the, yeah, on the college athlete, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And again, yes. that's the other thing that that's complicated out there in, in all of this moving forward. So we'll see what it looks like in the next. You're seeing baseball players who make millions of dollars standing up saying that it's not, it's not hard to believe that some college kids who make no money would do the same thing. Yep. And again, that's why the biggest answer remains. I don't know because you just don't know it changes um, daily, hourly. And, and again, somebody's waiting for a group to go and who's going to do that. All right. A couple quick questions as we get out the door here, what position group of UTs do you think really missed the development time of spring practice? And um, which group do you think missing spring practice affected the least quick wrap? I, I, I think they really missed linebacker and tight end. Yep. hundred percent agree with that. Okay. I, I would throw safety possibly in there as a replacement for, for Nigel Warrior. All right, let's go to this next one. If Tennessee lands Miles Campbell, will they continue to pursue other tight ends like Wolf and Bell? My answer is yes. Austin? Wolf's a take. Wolf's a take. I like Tennessee's uh, position there. And you and like Bell, Tennessee's position with, with Wolf? Yep. Wow. And Bell, and Bell is, is, is an athlete. Yes, who they're going to take regardless. Yes. I got you. And you don't see many six, seven, three hundred 300-pounders playing tight end so you do the math yes yeah um can you talk about the virtual day that was done with the 22 kids this week twitter was blowing up with 22 kids talking about ut and the virtual visit uh what's that visit like what do they see who do they talk to anybody got any any insight there yeah they're able to they're able to tour facilities uh they're able to to see obviously um you know coaches face to face it's like a it's like a borderline facetime borderline you know see you know what you're not able to see because you're not here. Um, but then, two, I think more than anything, it, it's not really the virtual tour that's got these 22 kids hyped up. It's the fact that Tennessee, because of their most recent run, they're a hot name. So all of a sudden, Tennessee's become this hot, trendy school. And instead of like, oh, it's the in-state Tennessee, all these kids are now like, oh, Tennessee, yeah. And then it's the orange emojis and, and so on and so forth. They see what's happening in the 21 class. And it's kind of ignited and jump-started what is a massive year in state with the 22s. I mean, you talk about some really top-end players, really good wide receivers, uh, some linebackers. Um, obviously, you know, Dallin Hayden, uh, you know, whether he plays DB or whatever. Um, you, know, you know, it's not great along the line of scrimmage. There's a couple of decent linemen, but it's not super deep. But, it, you know, overall players reminds me a lot of that T. Higgins class. that had so many skill guys like Jacoby Stevens, T. Higgins, you know, Mari Rogers. Um, all those players. All Guys right. had some great Tennessee careers under Butch Jones. Last question, and Rob had to get one in. Last question out the doors for you, Rob. I know that Tennessee is in on Chandler and Banchero. Realistically, what's Tennessee's chances of getting both? I understand Banchero is a harder pull, family ties, et cetera. How high up the list is Tennessee for him? Uh, I mean, I, I really like their chances with, with Kennedy Chandler, and I think – you know, talk, having talked with the kid, I think Banchero really likes Tennessee. He really likes Rick Barnes. But at the end of the day, man, it's – I mean, for a guy who was a 100% one-and-done player, it's hard for me to see him going, you know, 3,000 miles from home when he, he's in Seattle. Both his parents went to Washington and were, and were athletes. Gonzaga is, is firmly in the mix. I mean, you got – I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible. I, I just see that 
I see that would be a tough. I think he's got legitimate interest in Tennessee. I know him and Kennedy have talked about playing together. I just it, – it's too – it's a little far-fetched for me to think Tennessee gets them both right now. Do you uh, think Kennedy Chandler is the starting point guard in 2024, though? Not, not for Tennessee, maybe for the New York Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast. We want to thank our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control. Remember, if you're in need of – if you have air conditioning needs, HVAC needs, you need to contact Blue Water Climate Control because you're going to get answers from them, not just a sales pitch. Uh, they are veteran-owned, family-operated. If you want to know more about Blue Water Climate Control, check them out at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com. They're going to send out an expert to your home to tell you what you need. They can lay out all the options for you, whether you have to replace your system, you can repair your system, whatever you need to do to upgrade your energy efficiency and improve your indoor air quality, they're gonna give you all those options. They also have options for financing, which includes same as cash, even rent to own. Call them today at 865-299-2290 or visit bluewaterclimatecontrol.com to make an appointment. Blue Water Climate Control is an authorized dealer of American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. For Jesse Simonton, Austin Price, and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend, everybody.